Welcome back, Tales of Glory listeners. This is the big episode 37. This is going to be another fireside chat conversation with you guys here today. I'm still working on the material. I'm still working on my book a lot, which is taking a lot of time. So I want to keep producing content. So we'll stick with some fireside chats. The book's coming out soon. I have my son, who's a fabulous editor, doing the editing on this. And it's Cosmology and Demonology of Genesis 1 through 11. And it's going to be a phenomenal book and very interesting for you people out there. We're interested in this sort of stuff and what's going on and how it just all correlates in our amazing Bible we have. So what are we talking about today? Today, I am diving back into the subject of fractured minds and deliverance. And what do we do? I've had a recent slew of very similar cases over the past year, and one cropped up again this week, of churches that hand off to me a situation where they think is demonic possession. And it turns out to be a fractured mind. And these are pretty interesting because superficially, if you don't understand what you're looking at and you don't understand the mental health and you don't understand you know, the broad spectrum of things, these people coming to you can look demonically possessed. What I'm going to focus on today is primarily people that have fractured minds, who've gone through um, some sort of dissociative identity disorder or trauma as a child. Their mind is fractured. And it could also include satanic ritual abuse because what we're seeing here, I believe, is one of the fingerprints of crime of satanic ritual abuse when you see these people come to you. What I'm talking about is you have people coming to you who are acting really weird. They trigger when you say some scriptural things like they're possessed or they claim they're possessed by a principality or they claim they're an embodiment of a good archangel. It's just, you know, really strange stuff is happening here that doesn't resonate um, with the Bible at all. And what are we looking at here? I came across one this past week, which was very interesting. Um, and I kind of leaned towards satanic ritual abuse with this individual. But what is it? This individual was handed to me by um, some very good inner healing pastors of a, a church I'm associated with. They wanted me to look at this person and... The Catholic Church wanted to do an exorcism on this guy, right? Because he was claiming that he was a high-ranking archangel. And the more I talked to this person, the more I saw them switch out between their primary presenter and the other primary presenter was this, this identity that identified itself as an archangel. And it was interesting how it met me because the person thought, you know, and this is an embodiment of a lot of these type cases. When you meet these people, they'll talk down to you like, what are you going to do? Because it's like this pride thing that's programmed into them. You won't be able to help me because you don't understand the level of what I'm going through. And it's kind of interesting. That's my first check mark right there. Okay, who's speaking here? What's going on? And in this case, a person wants to identify itself as a, an archangel. In the past, I've had people identify themselves as um, principalities, you know, are possessing me and they're talking or the other interesting thing, too, that goes hand-in-hand hand with this, you'll see surface a couple of times, too, is these people think they're some sort of special prophet sent by God, but their prophetic message completely goes against God. And this happens quite a bit, too, through dissociation. How does it happen? It happens through trauma. A lot of times it is the fingerprint of satanic ritual abuse, but not all the time. You have to work with the person to see what's going on. In this particular case, I worked with this one individual because it resonates over so many cases. You'll see a lot that as you talk with them, 
your spiritual discernment isn't triggered. There's nothing demonic going on here. So what the heck is going on? And why does this person believe that they are an archangel or some high prophet or something like that? Typically, if this case is in fact a ritual abuse case, it is what we call a duplicitous part. Duplicitous part is put in place to keep the soul that's fractured into a state of hopelessness. So a lot of times when we work with people, we want to see that they have a true believer part. That is a part that's saved and believes in Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. If they have that sort of part and that part is not doing anything contradictory that's biblical, then that's somebody we can work with when we start healing. A lot of times these duplicitous parts identify themselves as archangels are fabricating biblical information that goes against God's word. It just, it just goes against it. For instance, like um, this one individual I was working with this last week, we're saying that oh, the archangel says, my mission isn't complete. God will kill me in this body. Okay. So how does God kill an archangel? And why is God going to kill a person off if they don't complete the mission? That goes completely against God and God's will. So this was called duplicity. And this duplicity is put there. So, for instance, every time I spoke with this individual on Jesus or Christianity or who Jesus was, the duplicitous part, the archangel would step in over the individual and say, oh, well, you don't understand who Jesus is. And I go, well, tell me. I, I completely understand who Jesus is. And they go, well, I can't do this sort of thing because I'm unforgiven and God can't save me. And I go, aren't you an archangel, a good one that you said was put down in this body? Well, yeah, but God won't forgive me. I go, but Jesus forgives. And the person stopped right there. This was another fingerprint sign for satanic ritual abuse. Oh, Jesus isn't the one that forgives. Only the Father can forgive. And I'm going, oh, wait a minute. What? That's not true. And so you see how these things um, capitulate. These, these keep cascading into a deeper well. So what happens? What do you do here when you get these people? I was called out. And like I said, I work with satanic ritual abuse survivors. But it takes decades to help these people. And what I look for before I help any survivor is, how is a true believer and how strong are they? This particular person didn't have a true believer that believed in the real Jesus Christ. They went through baptism. They went through everything else. But their idea of Jesus was, again, it was very Mormonic. So I wonder if there's some sort of Mormon programming going on there that, that Jesus was the brother of Satan. This archangel was the brother of Jesus. And it got very weird. So that was another sign there of some sort of ritual abuse stuff going on and duplicitous programming. So what do you do with these people? I need some sort of true believer to start working with them, that they know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, and their mind, because duplicity may have minor conflicts of what's in the Bible, but that's okay. But I need a part that's saved and absolutely believes in Jesus, even though some things might be messed up, but they have to know that Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, is a true Jesus Christ. Why do we do that? Because there is a false Jesus part running around the system that's part of this um, like archangel stuff, or they're a prophet on a mission stuff, and things like that. And you'll just tell because stuff gets very weird. And it's always like, when you deal with this, this, this principality stuff in them, oh, you can't help me, it's too far above you. You're going, well, this is interesting. So they always push you at bay, right? They always push you away so you can find out the truth. So be very careful there. Very, very careful. So what do we do? 
for individuals, like I recommend to this church, for this individual, I want them to go to church for at least a couple of years or something just to build a true identity in Christ. I asked this individual during my interview, who's your identity in Christ? And the person says, I don't have one. I'm an archangel. You know, of course, right there, it's a zinger like, no, you don't have an identity in Christ. It's who is you as your primary presenter, the person I was speaking with before, doing in their life to spiritually build themselves to look more like Christ. Where's the start of it? There wasn't one there. It just wasn't. They were going through the motions because this duplicitous part was making them believe what they were doing was religious and what they were supposed to be doing. That is wrong. It's Satanism falls into the ritual and methodologies, right? And spirituality is about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you connect with him? Can you talk with him? Can you see him? And none of these parts were in play yet to be helped. Now, when you work with these parts, I, I spoke with the person at church too, I was doing before. Sometimes a true believer part and a 50-year-old man could be a four-year-old part. And don't knock them for being a four-year-old part because a lot of times it's smaller children parts that run with the Christianity and the Jesus Christ part. And they're usually parts that are either favored or trusted within the system. And they can easily walk by perpetrating parts, bad parts, and evangelize the system. It's pretty interesting how it works. So don't be surprised if you start talking to a four-year-old part and they're the ones who become the true believer or going to church, going to Bible studies. They won't look like a four-year-old in this session, but in reality, it's a four-year-old sitting there. So you might see signs of it or not. But that's what you need to build up when you do a deal with satanic ritual abuse. You need a true believer part in there who, like a whole person, will rely on Jesus Christ for any trials and problems that come up because that's the only way to get through this. Otherwise, like with these parts that they're duplicitous, will always run you in circles. And so there'll never be a healing. I've been through all this before. And until that, I mean, people will sound, these people will sound spiritual. They'll even tell you they, they're they prophetic and all this other stuff until you sit them down and listen to them. You get these parts up and there's no possible way. It's all a big show that's put on um, for the church to think, okay, they're healing. They're not. So when you see this stuff, and let me explain it, it's just very weird. It's just off the scale weird. And you go, wow, this person's cuckoo, right? And, and they could be. They could be. Like I said, start leaning towards the mental health side. What's going on? Was there a drug overdose? Did they fry their brain? You don't immediately need to go to an exorcism. If stuff starts levitating in front of you, their eyes roll in the back of their heads, and you feel spirits touching you and slapping on you or doing weird stuff like that, then you're heading towards an exorcism. But you're sitting in a room going, I don't know what's going on. This stuff's weird. And you're not feeling it in your discernment. I mean, I can feel the demons come on before they even manifest. If you're not feeling nothing, start leaning towards, okay, this is an inner healing issue. And start asking people, hey, are you fragmented? Tell me about your childhood. And either they'll back off from it, or they'll. most of the time they tell me, yeah, I am fragmented. Of all the stuff I went through, there's no way I can be fragmented. And a lot of times you'll find out these very deep methodological spiritual backgrounds their parents put them through. You know, it was very um, methodical and not spiritual. And you see how some of this fracturing begins with child, children too. So it's, it's something I wanted to share with you guys and throw out there. And how do you deal with it? It's like I said, when these people show up at your doorstep, as a church, you want to help them, but they can exasperate your church. So be very careful. Pray with Jesus first and say, Holy Spirit, am I to help these people or am I to be released from them? Like I said, it takes decades. And if you're the first church to come in and assist them, you may not be the last church because they'll wander from church to church if they feel like not getting help. 
So that can happen too. So yeah, one, they'll exasperate you. And second, if they are satanic ritual abuse survivors, they'll have parts inside of them that are deep down inside they don't know about. They're called Jezebel parts that are programmed to bring down your church. So you must be aware of that too. So it's a lot of work, a lot of understanding protection, a lot of understanding what your covering is in this church. And is it worth your while? And what are you risking your church body with when you bring these people in? And it's just, like I said, it's not to scare you. It's questions you need to ask. A lot of times you get just one person in, it's, it's okay. But sometimes they'll bring other people in they want to help um, too. Or they, they know who the other survivors are. So be careful of that. Don't let your church be overloaded with survivors coming to the church unless you're prepared for it. Because there's a whole steep learning curve you have to do with these people. You have to have a whole counseling system in place for these people to do it too. So I'm just throwing a word of caution out there. It's not to scare you off. It's just, how do you deal with this? You know, most churches have a hard enough time trying to deal with deliverance and demonic. How do we deal with a deep, dark inner healing of fracturing that's involved dark rituals that involves the occult? Like I said, it's inner healing. It's not exorcism. And how do you help these people? It's just, like I said, this individual I worked with the other day and the ones I've seen before, I had to stop working with. They could never, ever build a primary true believer part. I had to wait till they do. Gosh, Mike, that's mean. You Christians are just being intolerant and all this stuff. No. They have walls up to shut down their only way out. The duplicitous part is designed to shut down the true Jesus coming in. When true Jesus comes in, the healing starts nearly automatically. And it's a long road and a long walk out. And we need that true Jesus in place. We need them to pray and see Jesus. So they must see the truth. So if you put these people into your Bible studies, don't let them lead. Just let them sit there and make sure they don't exasperate your Bible study and make sure they don't interrupt the Bible study frequently. But if they're there listening and starting to absorb some information of truth little by bit, what I call it is slowly turning the super tanker around. Small rudder turns to the rudder, right? Like one degree, one degree. It's going to take forever to turn the super tanker around, right? It's a, it's a huge ship to turn. This is a huge ship to turn around too. And the more truth, you spend time getting truth in the people, the easier the healing comes because as they understand truth, they start opening their own mind and their own spirituality up to seeking what the truth really is and questioning the duplicitous parts. And that's what we want to see happen. And then when you come into sessions, the duplicitous parts can come up and ask you questions like, is this true? Because you'll have, you have to be able to trust bond relationship with these people as well. That takes a long time also. So that's what's involved. You get these strange people come in and go, hey, you know, I'm an archangel or I'm a prophet that's especially sent by God to take out Satan, you know, and just, they truly believe it. It's just, that's what you're dealing with here. You're dealing with some fragmented minds. You have to build a true believer up and it's going to take time and pray to Jesus if you're the one to do it because it will suck the life out of you. I call myself a, a missionary of charity, right? Because it's just, I work with people and I work with people long-term and rough stuff happens. And if it is the occult and they have occult parts in there, they have four-year-old parts throwing witchcraft at you, even though they have a presenter part that likes you. There's all sorts of things all over the map you have to deal with here. But anyway, that is my advice. If you see this sort of stuff and it doesn't resonate properly, like how can you possibly have an archangel? You can't, right? You know, angels, archangels, good guys don't come down and possess us. It does not happen. Anyhow, I hope this helps you out because this is where this is how my last week went. We're helping people on the phone like this is how we have to navigate this. That's how you help these people. Um, a lot of times you see it in the homeless ministry too. 
I had more time on my homeless ministry because I was always on the streets to help these people. They'd show up to the Friday night, you know, street service, and they'd talk with me and sit down and straighten some things out little by little. But that was over years. You preach these people over a period of years, and they have somebody inside listening to you. You're going to start making some effective changes as you lead their salvation. It's not going to be an overnight thing. It's something a lot of corporate pastors get frustrated with because they want to see their numbers. I saved 22 people this week, you know, my salvation numbers. It doesn't happen in these cases. It takes time. I saved three people over four years. Okay. And that was a lot of work, and they're saved. That's three more people going to heaven. You know, same thing. So it's not about the numbers. It's about getting these people to listen and to build a true believer core in themselves who are who've been severely traumatized as children and have been ritually abused or even spiritually abused in these matters. But I've seen it time and time again that it's a repetitive pattern and they're showing up in churches just to alert you guys that's out there and how to deal with it. So anyway, I hope this little mini blurb helps you. I'm trying to keep these short now. Look at my statistics. You know, I, I like dump a lot of data in for like 45 minutes, an hour and a half. I think some people fall asleep after half an hour. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's too much information. Turn it off, turn it off. So that's where we're at. Again, you'll find us on a field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com. And we are working on the big episode 37 here. And it's a Tales of Glory fireside chat. And that's where we're at, guys. And again, my hopefully my books can be out in March. And that's Cosmology and Demonology and Genesis 1 through 11. And I hope and we're working on that one right now to get that out. I might even do a Zoom training on that. If you guys are interested, just somehow let me know. And I'll be able to get a Zoom class and we'll do it over that book. That may just be the start of some Zoom classes of some stuff and material. Anyhow, you guys are amazing. I'm keeping this short so you guys stay awake and don't fall asleep driving off the road. God bless you. And this will also be on my Spotify account. Again, the big episode 37, Tales of Glory Fireside Chat. Till then, my friends, God bless from the M16 Bunker. <laughs>